Greetings, and welcome back to the Hidden Archives podcast. I am your curator and host for tonight's episode, Nicole Clark. We are off and running with two episodes posted prior to this one. Make sure to check them out. Just know you may have missed something. Or maybe you didn't. You won't know unless you give them a listen. You can expect another new episode in two weeks. Updates are given on our interactive public archives, better known as social media. Be sure to find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hidden archives podcast and search at archives hidden on Twitter. To quote my old friend Oscar Wilde, the only thing to do with good advice is to pass it on. It is never any use to oneself. If that remains true, may I pass on the following good advice. Profanity and disturbing content may follow. This is your warning. Now for a look at the archives themselves. This is the only tale that will ever be presented that is not an official part of them. Consider it a brief history of their discovery. It is with great humility and reverence that I present to you the story titled Ex Tempus in Archivum. I'd like to share with you what I found in the Hidden Archives, but perhaps, before I do that, I should tell you what the Hidden Archives are and how I found them. There was always a rumor about a hidden facility in Colorado, something not unlike a library, maybe even similar to the library at the Vatican, albeit with less security. You can call it local legend or folklore. I don't think it really matters either way. All it really was, until somewhat recently, was a story that fascinated myself and my friend Mark. One night, while out for coffee with Mark, as had become weekly custom at this point, we got to talking about the hidden archives. Now, it may be important to note that we discussed this very thing ad nauseum in the past. I mean, how much more could there be to discuss? However, on this night, Mark revealed to me that he had new information regarding the subject. Hey, Phil, you know the Hidden Archives? Well, firsthand? No, I don't. But I'm aware of the thing that we talked about until blue in the face. You know, the secret underground library hidden and forgotten about in our humble hometown. Dark and dingy, probably crawling with spiders and centipedes, housing books and personal accounts about magic, God, and the mysteries of the universe? Those hidden archives? Yeah, those archives. Thought so. So what of it? Now, just roll with me on this one, but I think I know how to find it. Bullshit. What? Did someone hand you a map from the Goonies or some shit? Ah, hilarious. He said sarcastically, we both sipped our shitty diner coffee and sat grimacing at the bitterness. I'm serious, you know, Mark said after moments of silence as he stared into the bottom of his piss-warm coffee cup. You know my friend the librarian? Charlie? Yeah. How is he anyway? Crazy and angry as ever. Well, anyway, he came across this old journal. I guess someone thought that you could just put a book donation through the book return slot. Not too uncommon from what he tells me but a real pain in the ass you know i nodded i knew there were logistics too tedious for me to consider regarding this having to sort through all the books manage the account that returned it try to identify damaged books pull out half-smoked cigarettes carelessly dropped into the slot and most importantly find out which items are in fact library property and which are not you know what more power to the people at the library i wouldn't want their job or the monotony that comes with it so you're saying there's a little girl, perhaps a refugee of war, hiding out in the library attic that we need to rescue? Dude, be serious for a minute. This might interest you. Okay, I'm listening. You have my full attention. I could tell he was just bursting to tell me something. 
So I cut the foolishness for a minute. So the other day, Charlie found this random-ass handwritten journal in the book return. Obviously, it wasn't municipal library property, so he took it. You know, maybe to find out who it belongs to. Journals can be intensely personal and devastating for the author to lose. Well, he starts reading through the first couple of pages to see if there's any information identifying the author. You know what the date of the first entry was? No clue. Fucking January 19th, 1809. Okay, so what? I mean, yeah, that's old as balls, but nothing maybe more than a collector's piece or a museum artifact. Just then, Mark started rummaging through his pockets. After a momentary struggle, he freed a small leather-bound book and held it up with one hand by the corner as if in passive triumph. Come on, man. Did you steal that from Charlie? And shouldn't you know how important this might be to the owner's descendants? Fuck. Give it over. I flipped through it for a minute or two before novelty wore off and I had to ask, wait, what exactly does this have to do with the archives again? Patronizing this whole exchange was getting tedious. Everything, the whole thing is about the archives. How? It's just a bunch of prattling on about other worlds being the same world and a bunch of shit about meeting God and being God. If you ask me, the lady who wrote this should have been on lithium. And moreover, if you find any sense in this, so should you. I flung the book with no special regard back across the table to Mark. It spun and nearly fell to the floor before he caught it. You didn't read the last page. I didn't read a lot of pages, maybe most of them. But kudos to you and your keen intellect for noticing. Exasperated, he carefully handed the journal back to me and said, Just, just read the last page. I rolled my eyes as I took the book with a snap of my wrist which was more of a snatching motion than anything else. Knowing it would be blank, I immediately flipped to the last piece of paper in the journal. I held the journal, opened to the last page, in front of Mark's face. Excellent read. Not every day one comes across some sort of subliminal avant-garde abstract literature. Not the literal last page, you dipshit. The last page with writing on it. I couldn't help but laugh at my own wit with the whole last page gag. I took the book back and found the page he indicated. There was a local address written on it. 1486 Maple Road. We both knew that Maple Road had been renamed Tesla Drive. There was a whole ordeal back in the 60s about it that concerned Tesla's legitimacy as a scientist. Part of the reason it was renamed was to honor Tesla as a local hero, as he was once actually a resident of our town. But the rest of the controversy had to do with a library on Maple Drive already having been renamed in his honor just 10 years before. At the point of the Maple-Tesla fiasco, the library had fallen into disuse and had been pretty much abandoned. The townsfolk thought it was just a ploy to bring back the library by drawing renewed attention to it and spending hundreds of thousands of dollars in renovations and squatter relocation. Well, it didn't work. Eventually, almost all of the now Tesla Drive was abandoned in favor of a growing city center. I knew the library still stood, but also that it hadn't been officially operational in over half a century. However, the local historical society preserved it as one of the oldest buildings in town, and it was never torn down. I began to consider all this. Were the writer of the journal, and Mark himself, suggesting that the fabled archives were, in fact, in the library? Before you ask, that's not the address of the library. It's actually the lot next to it. I knew the lot he was talking about. I used to shoot BB guns at old soda cans and bottles when I was a kid. 
almost every kid in town did when they were young because Tesla Drive was so far away from the city center and everything there had gone to shit. Hell, my high school senior class held a paintball tournament there for senior ditch day. I looked at Mark pensively for a moment before I asked the obvious. Was there ever a building in that lot? Like, back in the day? Yeah, they built the original city hall there. It didn't last very long before it was condemned as being structurally unsound. If I'm right, there's still something there. The journal mentions something about a connection between the libraries of God and, and the testaments of man. There might actually be a link between the Tesla library and the archives. It might be an actual physical link, like a passageway. I don't know. Maybe, I said, but a plan was already forming. I think the whole damn book is crazy. Do us a favor and either give it back to Charlie or give it to the Historical Society, okay? He shrugged, took the journal back, and we moved on to the next subject of conversation. What I didn't tell him that night was I was sure he was right. There was a link. I remember from playing in that lot as a kid that something was off about the whole area. It always felt like someone was watching you there. And I could swear that the ground felt, well, hollow. There's no other way to describe it. My plan was to break into the old Tesla library and start snooping around. I knew, I just knew that I could find the archives. I didn't know what exactly I was looking for. Was it a separate room? Was it a specific shelf of books? Was it a whole section of books? Or was it somewhere beneath the old city hall? I wasn't certain of the details, but I still knew I could find the archives. There was just a gut feeling like I was supposed to find it and share the secrets that it contained. I wasted no time. That night, after my meeting with Mark, I decided to search for the archives. I loaded a crowbar, gloves, and a flashlight into my car and drove over to the Tesla library. The minute I pulled up to the old library and shut off the car, I immediately started feeling stupid. I looked at the tumbleweed-ridden lot beside the library. It was barely lit by the moon, but somehow still looked just kind of... wrong. I became aware of the clothes that I had chosen for the evening's escapades. Cargo pants? a white t-shirt, steel-toed boots, and a worn leather jacket. The look of my attire and the feeling of snooping around a deserted lot the size of a city block made me feel sort of like a stupid Indiana Jones parody. I sighed, chuckled to myself a little bit, and shrugged. If I was going to play urban explorer Dr. Jones, then I might as well follow through. I grabbed my supplies from the passenger seat and got out of the car. As I walked towards the empty lot, I could hear sirens in the distance. I knew they wouldn't be here for me, though because hardly anyone ever came this way. As long as I was quiet and somewhat stealthy, no one would bother with someone they would probably assume to be a vagrant just trying to set up camp for the night. I put my gloves on and powered up the flashlight. With soft yellow illumination splashing over the lot, I surveyed the task before me. It seemed my work was cut out for me as the magnitude of the task ahead began to set in. Sweeping the light back and forth allowed me to see what I was dealing with. Nothing immediately jumped out at me as being out of the ordinary so I began to formulate a plan. I decided to search in a grid pattern, blocking the lot and searching the ground at my feet for anything that might be man-made. The logical place to start seemed like the part of the lot nearest the library itself, so that's where I began. After about two or three hours of getting foxtail stickers stuck in my socks and crunching over broken liquor bottles, I began to feel even more foolish than when I first got there. I didn't even know what the hell I was looking for. Did I really think that there'd be some sort of hatch or trapdoor in the middle of a goddamn field that would lead me to a place of knowledge beyond this world and perhaps even beyond human comprehension? Yeah, it seemed idiotic to me, too. Was it even legal for me to be out here? 
For all I knew, the lot was private property, and I was trespassing. When you couple trespassing with actually finding something and breaking in, then it would make me a criminal. I decided that if I was going to do something illegal, then I would go all the way. I set my eyes on the library and made my choice. It seemed like a good night for some breaking and entering for real. I went around to the back of the library looking for a less obvious way into the main entrance. When I didn't immediately find anything, it occurred to me that, with my car parked out front anyway, it probably didn't much matter how I got in, as I would be obviously present and guilty. So the front door it was. Making my way around front, I switched off the flashlight and began to feel pretty good about my choice to bring a crowbar. However, upon reaching the main door, I'd found the lock had pretty much lost any use as a security device as it had all but rusted through, and probably years ago at that. Inspecting it, and giving it a few enthusiastic tugs against the door handle, I discovered that it pretty much just fell off in my hands. Surprised with how good my luck was, I let myself right in. Upon crossing the threshold, I could hear the old plank wood floors creak and groan with every step. I closed the door behind me and turned the flashlight back on. The decrepit library consisted of one huge room and a fair few wooden shelves. I shined the light at several of these shelves only to discover that all of the books had been removed, probably taken to newer libraries when this one had closed for good. All the same, I once again began my nocturnal exploration. There wasn't much to see at all in the rather quaint forum that was the library. The floors were wooden all throughout, not even a single carpet or rug, and every shelf was empty except for decades' worth of dust. There was a void space where the floor was lighter in color near the front door, where I assumed the library's reception area once was. Once again, I presumed that the desks and tables had also been repurposed elsewhere. It was looking like a bust, no secret passage to the hidden archives. My quarry consisting of only some insane ramblings from a single diary, I decided to go home but only after I found a place to take a piss. I started scanning for a door or a hallway that might lead to a bathroom. I knew that the plumbing wouldn't work, and I also knew it wouldn't matter if I pissed on the corner of a bookshelf because no one was ever going to know, but that felt wrong, somehow. So I decided to at least show some sort of effort of civility. Walking the perimeter of the library's inner wall, I finally found what I was looking for about halfway between the front of the building and the back. The door was unmarked, but I could see from the square outline that it was lighter than the rest of the door that at one time had a placard on it right about eye level. I concluded that this door either once held a janitorial supplies or a bathroom. I figured the door would be easily opened and proceeded with this assumption. However, after nearly cartoonishly face-planting into the door, I discovered with much personal embarrassment that it was at least stuck, if not locked. I messed with the knob for a minute or two and then decided that maybe it was fortunate that I brought the crowbar after all, even after not needing it to get into the building proper. Prying the door open was more difficult than I had imagined. Television always made it look so easy, but it actually took a great deal of effort to free the heavy oak door. However, after almost completely destroying the frame itself, the door finally swung open with a tired creak on neglected brass hinges. I thought to myself, where the fuck would a bathroom or closet need such a heavy and secure door, and why the actual fuck would it be locked? That's when I walked through the door, only to find a completely empty room about the size of a kitchen pantry or small walk-in closet. There were no hooks or tools, no buckets or mops, and certainly no porcelain bathroom fixtures. Strike three for the night. Guess I'd be pissing on a bookshelf after all. But right as I was about to turn around and leave, I noticed something on the floor covered in dust to the point that it was almost invisible. I decided that it was probably the placard that once hung on the door itself. 
Thinking that it had become dislodged from the door, and likely kicked underneath when the library finally closed, I decided to dust it off and see what this room actually was. I tried picking it up to inspect it only to find it firmly fixed to the floor. With my sleeve, I brushed away the years of filth, and what I discovered was a cast-iron plate with one word. Archivium. Holy shit! Did I just find it? Was this room actually connected in some way to the fabled archives? Forgetting the need to relieve myself, I removed my jacket and ripped off my t-shirt to use as a dust rag. Again, I, I, I don't know what I was looking for, but I set to work wiping the dust from the floor in search of a handle, a lock, a latch, or anything that might lead me to my prize. However, aside from the iron plate that was nailed to the floor, there was nothing. No seams or joints in the wood that might indicate the presence of a hidden door. I checked the walls, too. I knocked and tapped searching for a hollow spot. Nothing. I was so close. What was I missing? Was there something else I needed to do? Like, say a code word? I tried the only word I could think of. I all but shouted the one word on the plate. Archivium. Nothing. I just stood there trying to think of a new plan. That's when I turned around to face the open door of a tiny room and saw alternating red and blue lights splashing through the windows of the library. The lights didn't fade or flash by. The police were parked out front. Shit, shit, shit. What do I do now? I muttered to myself in complete panic of being caught. I could hear the boots on the steps out front. They were coming to investigate. I was out of time. All they would have to do would be to walk through the front door that was already unlocked. I decided just to face the police and say that I was an urban explorer doing some local historical research. I started to make my way out of the archive room when I heard the police fumbling with the lock. What the hell? I whispered. The lock was just hanging loose. Why aren't they coming in? Then I could hear them talking to each other through the door. I don't know, Pulaski. The car probably belongs to someone who went out drinking at one of the bars a few blocks over. I think he ditched it here so he wouldn't have to drive home after one too many. Seems likely. Best cut him a break for now. We'll come back tomorrow. And if the car's still here around noon, then we'll take it from there. Yeah, that sounds fair. I don't want to give anyone a hassle for doing the right thing. That, and the car isn't even parked illegally. Ticket probably wouldn't hold up. I mean, yeah, it's late, but nothing saying you can't park at a library overnight. Weird, though, I heard one of them say as they were walking away, their voices almost fading into the point of being inaudible. That lock on the door looks brand new. Someone must be looking after the old place. I would think that. And then I heard the car door close, and the tires peeling out. The red and blue lights went out, and the sound of the cruiser's engine faded into the distance. What the hell did he mean by brand new lock? The thing I took off was ancient. I tried the doors. Sure as shit. Locked from the outside. They wouldn't budge. In a moment of panic, I thought that the cops might have relocked it. But then why would they be talking about it like that? I supposed that if I really wanted out, I could just break a window. But then they would know it was me. No doubt they ran my license plate and knew who owned the car. Stupid. How could I have been so fucking stupid? With nothing else to do, I went back to the archive room. I could at least figure this part out. After that, I would address my escape. I walked back into the tiny nook of a room. The floor was once again covered in dust. How could that be? It had been nearly spotless a few minutes ago. Also, how long had I been in here? It felt like hours. If it really had been as long as it felt, the sun would be coming up any time. I checked my phone, and it read 1.30 a.m. That can't be right. I only pulled in at 1 a.m. I knew I spent two hours in the field. 
I checked my watch. It read the same as the phone, but the second hand had stopped. That's when I checked my phone again, only to discover that I had no service and the battery was almost dead, maintaining a charge just above 5%. Confusion and panic started to overcome me. I stood in the archive room, trying to think through my situation when my flashlight started to flicker and finally died. That's when, as if of its own accord, the door closed, trapping me in the dark, dusty, and oddly terrifying place. I couldn't hear anything aside from my own labored breathing. I couldn't see anything at all. Then I got this weird sinking feeling in my stomach. Or was it in my stomach? I scrambled across the floor towards the door, but when I felt around for the vaguely familiar oak, all I felt was stone sliding under my fingers. I pressed the light button on my watch, hoping for a miracle and a little bit of light. It worked. I put my wrist up to the wall and held the light button on my watch. I could see the stone walls sliding upwards. No, that wasn't right. I was moving down. The watch light didn't do much to illuminate my surroundings, and I couldn't see the ceiling or door. How far down would this take me? As if in answer to this unspoken question, flickering light started to show around the edges of the floor. The whole floor, with me on it, was descending into some unknown space. I peeked over the edge to get a look. The room around me was taking shape. There were torches. Actual goddamn flaming torches lighting a stone room about the size of the library. Could it be the library? Like some alternate universe representation of it? There were rows and rows of books on wooden shelves. Shelves like the ones in the actual library. I thought this made as much sense as anything else that night. The elevator came to a rest on the floor of this cold and spider-infested place. I stood up, picking up my flashlight and crowbar like weapons. I clicked the button on the flashlight. Still nothing. But the torches on the walls provided plenty of light. I walked over to one and tried to remove it from the wall, only to find it fixed there. There was a tube leading to the base of it. It was gas-powered. These things could have been lit for years. Or they could have been started by an automatic mechanism when the elevator started down. Either way, I wondered how long it had been since someone else was down here. I began to explore the room and the books themselves. Some looked old. Others looked like they had come from a time, well, in the future, but all were covered in layers of dust and cobwebs. Some titles I could make out, whereas others were penned in languages that I could only assume were alien. What earthly language, and with what technology, could someone actually write a book where the title is represented by abstract shapes that seemed two-dimensional and three-dimensional at the same time, all while shifting endlessly when you looked at it? Then I saw it, on the far wall, Directly opposite of where I had descended into the room was a huge marble sign that read Ex Animo Ex Tempus in Archivum. I had done it. I'd found the hidden archives. Below the sign was a tunnel that seemed to stretch on for about a hundred yards. This reminded me I still needed to find a way out. I looked back towards the lift that had brought me here only to find that it had vanished. Before I decided to panic, again, I checked my phone and discovered it was completely dead. Once more, I checked my watch. 4.47 a.m., but the second hand was ticking backwards now. Could, could this place really lie outside of time? I didn't have time to ponder this. I needed to go, and right then. But not without proof that I was here. Proof that it's real. I grabbed two of the smaller volumes that were in English and stuffed them into the pockets of my cargo pants and booked it towards the tunnel. I looked back down the tunnel and saw the lights in the archives were rapidly dimming. I checked my flashlight again. It flickered a few times, died, and then slowly came back on to full illumination. Not taking any chances, I bolted up the staircase, 
climbing the creaking thing for what seemed like far too long. Finally, I came to a trap door just above my head. The last few stairs were close enough to the top for me to be able to crouch under the door so that I could force it open. As it opened, sand cascaded from its edges, threatening to choke me with dust and blind me with swirling grit. But it gave way and I was able to pull myself onto the moonlit desert floor. I rolled onto my back, exhausted from my climb up that eternal staircase, and just stared at the moon as I panted, tired but reveling in my triumph. I was like this for only a few minutes before I heard sirens in the distance. Sirens that were coming my way. I sat up, looked around, getting my bearings. I spotted the library about a hundred yards away. I was in the middle of the field. The sirens were getting closer. I didn't have much time. I closed the trap door and covered it with as much sand and debris as I could to make it look natural and started back for my car. I had to get away before the cops came back. As I was running for my car, my phone buzzed. But it was dead. How could that happen? I checked it and saw that I had over half of battery power left and there was a notification from a work app that let me know that I had a shift starting in 12 hours at 3.45 p.m. My watch confirmed that it was just now 3.45 a.m. This was all very strange, but I had other concerns, mainly escape. I got into my car and went to start it, but then I realized I had to secure my discovery. No one else could get into the archives. I got out of my car and ran to the trunk where I kept a padlock that I used on a locker at the gym. Digging through my gym bag, I finally found the lock and ran towards the library. I knew that there was already a new lock on the door, though, and I didn't know how, but I also knew that someone else had either the key or the combination. I couldn't chance it. I would also put my own lock on for added security. They wouldn't be able to open that, and I could probably just remove their lock later, leaving only my own. However, when I got to the door, I found the remains of the lock I had originally taken off, but there wasn't anything else. Ignoring the impossibility of this, I fastened my own lock and went to go back to my car. But it was too late. Though I didn't hear sirens anymore, I saw flashing red and blue rounding the corner. I ducked out of sight and decided to wait it out. From my hiding spot, I could see a police car pull in next to my own car. Two officers got out and started to inspect my car. After a few minutes, they ascended the steps of the library and started messing with the lock in the door. And then I heard them talking. I don't know, Pulaski. The car probably belongs to someone who went out drinking at one of the bars a few blocks over. I think he ditched it here so he wouldn't have to drive home after one too many. Seems likely. Best cut him a break for now. We'll come back tomorrow. And if the car's still here around noon, then we'll take it from there. Yeah, that sounds fair. I don't want to give anyone a hassle for doing the right thing. That, and the car isn't even parked illegally. Ticket probably wouldn't hold up. I mean, yeah. It's late, but nothing saying you can't pack at a library overnight. Weird, though, I heard one of them say as they were walking away, their voices almost fading into the point of being inaudible. That lock on the door looks brand new. Someone must be looking after the old place. I would think that. This all took place about three years ago. I've been back to the Hidden Archive several times now and amassed quite the collection of tales. One of the books I found contains a story, well, several stories that seem to explain what the hidden archives are, and I have also put some of the pieces together myself. I think that the hidden archives is a place that lies outside of time, like quantum book return at any other normal library. I have been sifting through the logistics and paradoxical cigarette butts that have been left in the archives to try and make as much sense as I can of things. I'm not going to say that I can actually explain everything, but I'm going to give it my best shot.
I want to share these tales with you. Maybe you can help me figure out what it all means. I do know a few things for certain, though. First, the archives are not complete. There are stories missing. Sometimes I'll go there and find brand new volumes that I know weren't there before, yet they appear to have been sitting there for ages. The archives are always filling up and refreshing. Second, I know that the archives, every single story, tome, and volume are connected. You won't find pure fiction there, nor will you find current events, only what is actually part of the Hidden Archives meta-narrative. Third, which sort of connects to point number two, everything in the Hidden Archives seems to be original, unpublished, brand new. And the final thing I know for certain? I know, because I've read it in the themes of almost every story thus far, that the stories you will find in the Hidden Archives are terrifying. This is your warning. If you choose to enter the Hidden Archives, if you choose to study the tomes, if you choose to take this journey with me, you do so at your own risk. This is not for the faint of heart. Consider this very real warning a professional courtesy. That explains so much. I think. Well, I suppose as time goes on, there will be more to come which may elaborate a little bit more on what the hidden archives are and how they came to exist. May I also offer one more piece of good advice? Study up on your Latin. I told my teachers that I'd never have to use it in the real world, and well, look at me now. I will translate for you the tiny bit of Latin from this story and what you will hear repeated at the end of every episode. It means out of the mind, out of time, into the archives. If you are thinking about becoming a library card holder for the Hidden Archives, you should be made aware that the vetting process is quite extensive. As a curator, I would know. I'm still cleaning ectoplasm out of my... never mind. I want to give a special shout-out to David Calloway for providing the narration, and also to Brian Casey and Christina Graff for their help with the episode. I hope that you join us next time for another freshly curated story though I fear things may only get darker from here on out. This has been a production of the Rhodes Collaborative Experience, LLC. Please no reproduction, duplication, or bastardization of any content without written consent from RCX or its partners. Ex animo, ex tempus, in archiving.